with a heavy heart that I rise to inform members of my resignation as Speaker of the House of Commons. It has been my greatest honour as a parliamentarian to have been elected by you, my peers, to serve as the Speaker of the House of Commons for the 43rd and 44th Parliament. That's a long bit from the resignation speech Tuesday from Canada's Speaker of the House of Commons, Anthony Rhoda. Rhoda quit after he invited a 98-year-old former Ukrainian Nazi soldier living in his riding in North Bay, Ontario, to attend last week's historic visit to Parliament by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. As you've heard, Rhoda pointed out the elderly man sitting in the public gallery. He called him a Canadian hero from the Second World War who had fought in Ukraine against the Russians. And the lawmakers gave the man two standing ovations. It only came out later, thanks to reporting from the Jewish news outlet Forward, that the man is more likely a war criminal who had served with the Ukrainian Nazi unit called the 14th Waffen SS, which historians say not only helped murder Jews in the Holocaust, but also committed massacres against Polish civilians too. Needless to say, there has been resulting outrage from Jewish groups and Holocaust educators, as well as from Canadian politicians of all sides who called on Rhoda to resign. And now they're calling for further efforts to find out how this sort of huge international embarrassment could have happened. Not just because it's a stunning lack of research on Rhoda's part, but it also damages Canada's credibility on the world stage. Experts say it also hurts Ukraine, who Canada supports to the tune of billions of dollars in civilian and military aid. So it'll gird Russia in its ongoing invasion of Ukraine. It will be used as a wedge uh, to, to in, in the information war in the West to try and, and weaken the resolve and resilience of, of those countries and, and NATO members who are supporting Ukraine in its struggle against the Russian invasion. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, September the 27th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily. We're a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Rhoda's resignation as Speaker is effective Wednesday night, but it isn't the end of the scandal by far. Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie has already reached out to her Ukrainian counterparts to try to smooth things over there. Meanwhile, it looks like the Polish government is opening hearings to try to get the 98-year-old veteran extradited from Canada to face war crimes charges in Poland. The Abraham Global Peace Initiative has asked the RCMP to open an investigation into how the man was allowed into Canada after the Second World War in the first place. And according to reports, some 2,000 Ukrainian Nazi Waffen-SS soldiers were admitted. So to make sense of how this could have happened and what needs to be done to fix things, we're joined by Arthur Wilczynski. He's had a long career in the Canadian Civil Service, over 30 years, including as an assistant deputy minister. He has top-level security clearance. The Ottawa Insider was also Canada's ambassador to Norway, and he headed Canada's delegation to the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. He joins me now from Ottawa, and just keep in mind, we spoke before the Speaker, Anthony Roda, resigned. Well, we're speaking a few days after the president of Uh, Ukraine made his first ever in-person appearance in the House of Commons in Ottawa and toured Canada for a day drumming up support. You were where on Friday watching his speech to the House of Commons? 
I was at home. Uh, I, you know, turned it on. It was a, from my perspective, it was a historic occasion that the the, the president of, of Ukraine uh, was here, where we were talking about our our alliance. It was coming on, on the heels of his visit to the United States, uh, where you know issues are, are are important, and 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 this is a key Canadian foreign policy objective. So for me, it was a as a political buff and someone who's done years in diplomacy and security. For me, it was an important event. So I, you know, I sat down on my couch, turned on the television, and 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 watched the speech, and watched the members of parliament and all the guests getting up and giving President Zelensky regular, uh, you know, standing ovations where he spoke about his struggle against, uh, you know, the illegal nat- uh, invasion by Russia uh, of Ukraine, and then after the 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 speech, when the, when the speaker the speaker of the House of Commons that then gets up and recognizes. A, uh, an individual, and he described them as a 90-year-old, 98-year-old World War II veteran who then fought for the independence of Ukraine against, uh, against Russia. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, I mean, for me, that was an immediate, uh, immediate uh, alarm bell because, you know, understanding the, the history of that region uh, those those sentences immediately point to an individual that was fighting against Russia, and people who were fighting against Russia uh, were invariably members of, of the uh, uh, Nazi supporting forces. And you know, I was I kind of thought immediately somebody must have checked. So this must be somebody who maybe was a, in a partisan group of something that was different. Somebody must have checked. And in, in retrospect. It is mind-boggling that this kind of fundamental error, even though it may have been innocent in, in terms of uh, of its of its original, you know, maybe he didn't know. Which, but there's a whole thing to unpack there about the fact that he didn't know. But the effect that it's had on members of the Jewish community, on other victims of uh, of not of Nazism, on Canadian veterans and their families who uh, who sacrificed in the fight against Nazis, this has been. Uh, a real devastating uh, kind of development. There needs to be, I think, a thorough examination of, of what happened. Uh, we need to understand both the domestic and global effect of this of this blunder. You mentioned that a deep dive needs to be done and investigation, but as your experience has been with Global Affairs Canada and in the Diplomatic Corps, what is the normal process when foreign diplomats or foreign dignitaries come to a, an official state visit even when you were an ambassador and the vetting process that gets done to these sort of guest lists. So it's, it, it, this is unfortunately complicated. Um, in, in, uh, in normal cases, when, for example, an event takes place outside of Parliament Hill, when they organize, for example, uh, the president's visit to, to Toronto and they have uh, a, a number of guests that are there, that those those lists are vetted by both the prime minister's office, by PCO, by global affairs to make sure that, that there are no issues. The parliament is different uh, because parliament is separate from the uh, from the executive. And I think a lot of people are having a hard time understanding you know, how this could happen because of that. So when there is an event in the House of Commons, uh, there is a, a public gallery, as folks know, the speaker does have complete discretion in terms of what they want uh, to say uh, about those individuals in in the gallery. 
And my experience is that there is a tension sometimes between the protocol office of Global Affairs Canada from a diplomatic perspective and the protocol office from uh, the House of Commons. They, you know, the protocol House of Commons usually tells GAC, thank you very much, you know, our turf, don't, uh, uh, don't mess with us uh, in terms of what we, what we want to do. That said, uh, I think that, that they needed to be far more open to a conversation. And I think that the, uh, the prime minister's office and global affairs should have been far more insistent in terms of knowing exactly how things were going to unfold. The conflict today and, and, and between Ukraine and Russia is multidimensional and the propaganda war uh, and the information war is a central part of it. And the narrative around, uh, you know, the current Ukrainian government and uh, is, is, you know, laden with Nazis has been an, an absolute feature of the Russian propaganda war against, uh, uh, against Ukraine, and has been also a general propaganda war against, against the West, including, uh, including Canada, that we are mollycoddling, uh, you know, and supporting Nazis. So there should have been an absolute sensitivity to that, and there should have been a a, a, an openness on the part of all actors to be uh, incredibly vigilant, knowing that the consequences of that lack of vigilant would be what we are seeing today, which is an absolute, uh, you know, you know, I think public relations disaster for Canada, not just for the speaker. This is a, this is something that Canada is wearing, and that is why I think that there should have been uh, greater collaboration. Uh, and that we need to look at how we avoid this in the future, because this is a learning moment, I think, for, for all Canadians uh, and specifically for the House of Commons and for uh, the broader uh, public service. In general, when politicians do these glad handing, you know, photo ops when they're out and about, for example, you know, um, three members of the federal conservative party had lunch with a far right supporter from Germany, and it was a big kerfuffle and they never resigned and it was a big deal. And then, you know, it was like, well, we couldn't have known. I mean, it's a Leith Maroof affair all over again for the liberals, because all you have to do is Google his face and his name to this this uh, 98 year old gentleman. And you would have been. Able, why doesn't anyone use Google in the federal civil service, uh, both sides, liberal and conservative? So this is the, I don't think the civil service did a Google search. I mean, I, I, because this was, again, in, in this case, I think that the issue should have been, you know, why didn't the why didn't the speaker do it? There's an entire infrastructure that supports the speaker in exercising their uh, their responsibilities and duties. Uh, the speaker has also con constituency staff. You know, the rationale that the speaker used was this was a constituent. I was trying to be nice to a constituent. Well, your constituency staff should have Googled uh, this person to try and better understand, uh, you know, exactly who the speaker was honoring. And even like I said, the language that the speaker used in the in the in the introduction of this individual should have raised alarm bells for the speaker, because if he if he had known the history, as I said, he would have said, whoa, hold on a second. Uh, this is possibly problematic. I should probably check. Uh, you know, uh, about this with other actors to make sure that I am not doing something that will embarrass the government of Canada, embarrass the office of the speaker, embarrass the parliament of Canada and embarrass all Canadians. But I don't think that the, that, that the again, that the public service or the PMO uh, had advanced knowledge that this person was going to be acknowledged in the gallery. So what do you think the ramifications uh, for Zelensky and Canada's standing as one of their 
financial and military backers has been affected by this? Well, I think that this gives uh, gives a, a a real boost to Putin and his and, and his re- regime. It gives him propaganda uh, value, information, uh, uh, warfare value that he will be able to use, and that his proxies will be able to use both domestically in Russia, where they will be able to use this to, quite frankly, garner greater support and and sort of point to, see, we told you this is a fight uh, against Nazism. And that has incredible, powerful effect on on the Russian population for whom the great patriotic war against uh, the Nazis is is a massive motivating factor in terms of their, their behavior. This has real, real effect. And I think that that's why why we need to understand and look at this from a from a mitigation perspective uh, for the, for what it actually has done, uh, not just sort of say, oops, well, you know, the way things work in Canada is that Parliament is separate and and, you know, we need to respect those differences. No one's questioning that. No one's saying that the speaker doesn't have or shouldn't have the authority to do what he did. But the speaker needs to make sure that they have the information they need in order to mitigate any potential risks, reputational risks, real security risks. We've seen, we're talking in Canada about right, uh, right now about foreign interference and how hostile actors are using uh, various diaspora communities potentially to, to amplify uh, malevolent and uh, intentions. So we need to be, I think, even more vigilant from a security perspective as well. We don't know who, uh, you know, uh, how rigorous the the vetting was by the Parliamentary Security Service for for this incident, where President Zelensky is here, a person who is, you know, a very high target of the Russian state, a state that has not been shy, for example, in in extrajudicial killings and, and assassination attempts. Just ask our good friends from the United Kingdom about Skripal and Litvinenko. Are you saying that somebody whispered into Rhoda's ear that was with the Russian diaspora no. misinformation to put this guy in? No, no, no. Is that, let me be very clear. No, I don't think that's what happened in this case. I think, though, that we have to understand how hostile state actors work, even though the risk or, or the likelihood of that would have been low. The consequences of it potentially happening would have been high. I think that there would have been a responsibility for the uh, the sergeant at arms of, of the House of Commons to talk to, uh, to the speaker to say, look, we don't necessarily have the tools necessary to mitigate the kind of risk that is that is surrounding this type of event. Therefore, we need to work in far greater collaboration with all of the actors organizing this, uh, this event, uh, including global affairs, including the RCMP, including the prime minister's office and the Privy Council office, all of those actors should have been managing this really, really tightly. And the fact that that this incident happened raises questions, right? Maybe they did work together, uh, may, but maybe nobody asked the right questions. And well, I maybe think, they don't understand history properly. Maybe they well, haven't spoken to the Jewish community, the Holocaust community. This is a I, whole bigger issue of the Ukrainian government's never dealing with its history about uh, its participation as collaborators in the Holocaust and also, uh, yes, uh, massacring of also non-Jewish Poles. So that's a whole other story, which Canada has not dealt with either. There's two or three monuments to these former soldiers that are still here in Oakville and in Edmonton, and they never have dealt with that and refuse to take them down. So that's a whole other issue that Canada hasn't, 
you know, um, ever handled properly, despite the Jewish groups asking for them to take it down for years. hundred percent. And, and uh, I think that 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 lack of Holocaust education, the lack of understanding of what happened on the territory of Ukraine uh, and how uh, collaborators with the Nazi regimes uh, in Germany and the invaders into Poland and into Ukraine and into the Soviet Union uh, over that time, the role that they played in the Holocaust, I think that lack of understanding it, it, you know, and, and knowledge of history uh, has con- absolutely contributed to this, uh, to, to, to this, uh, this incident. And having Canadians understand this so that we don't uh, provide these kinds of, of, of propaganda wins, these own goals that we've, we've scored against our own interests because of, of, of a lack of understanding of that history. Two things. Should uh, the Speaker, Anthony Roda, resign as Speaker? So my thinking has actually evolved on this. I thought that his his uh, in, you know recognition relatively quickly of, of the uh, of his error was um, was sufficient, but I ju- but I think now the answer is no. I think he needs to resign, right? Um, but I do think that all, that it doesn't only rest on 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 the speaker. I think the speaker resigning is is I think the bare minimum. But I do think uh, that um, that the government as the the entity representing the Canadian people, the entity that invited the president of Ukraine here should be forthright and sort of, uh, you know, publicly say this was an error. Uh, We will work with the institutions within our appropriate kind of jurisdictions to make sure this never happens again. And we will work as hard as we can to mitigate the global effects uh, of this uh, this blunder, because again, they are real. And I think Canadians and our allies deserve uh, that kind of very serious recognition on the part of the government of Canada. On the Monday, the uh, rep of the Liberals in the House, Karina Gould, who got up and said, we're going to expunge it from Hansard so that it's wiped out from the official record. How does that sit with you? Is that an appropriate response after what you just said? So no, uh, absolutely not, and and uh, it's it's uh, I actually you know tweeted about that that it's appalling form of historic revisionism. You know the, the irony of there being a level of historic revisionism of a bad thing that happened uh, as it relates to the Holocaust. I mean, it's just like it compounds the the the, the nonsense, right? Uh, of course, it should stay in, in in the official record. It should not be expunged from any official record of uh, of Parliament or uh, of the video, it, sh- it needs to stay. What it needs to be accompanied by is an apology that has happened, it needs to be accompanied by the debate in the House of Commons about what the consequences of this are, because that historic record is absolutely essential for us to draw lessons. Uh, so I, I, I just, I did not understand uh, why that was, like who thought that would be an appropriate response? Uh, it, it just for me, and you know, on not I'm not a religious person, man, and but but like on Yom Kippur to boot, uh, you know, to where where we're supposed to recognize and and uh, you know the, the things that we have done you know wrong in the past and find ways to find the right path moving forward. The irony for me uh, as a as a Jew was like I just didn't understand. Uh, how this could uh, how this could be the, the the governmental response? So I don't think that helped in any way, uh, and I, I, I'm I'm hopeful that the that the historic record stays 
un, uh, unimpinged or un, unmodified and that we, we use it as a learning opportunity about a number of things. One, that, that carelessness has consequences, that ignorance has consequences, and that there's a, a, a deep value in Holocaust education and in and commemoration that needs to be deepened, not, uh, not uh, diluted uh, as, uh, as time moves on and we lose survivors to, the, you know, to time. I think we've covered it. Is there anything that you want our listeners to understand? I think that I, I understand uh, people's uh, anger. I was angry. I understand people's profound sadness and disappointment at what happened. And I understand people's wish for, uh, for accountability. Uh, I think that, that this is complex and I, I, I don't want this to be a partisan issue. There's a lot of, uh, of, um, of trauma that I think can be uh, compounded if this becomes a partisan question. And I, I don't think that turning this into, you know, a, a question of partisanship will help address either the domestic uh, harm caused by the incident or the global harm. I think that this is a time for us to come together, learn from it and, and, and do better the next time. Jewish groups say the story isn't over by far. The Canadian Society for Yad Vashem says this shameful event further proves that more work needs to be done with Holocaust education and remembrance. And B'nai B'rith, Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Canada and Sija all want Ottawa to release the full unredacted files from the Deschenes Commission. It was a royal commission set up in 1985 by former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney into how many Nazi war criminals were living in Canada. Only part of the report was ever published, and since then, Canada has revoked the citizenship or tried to deport a total of maybe four suspected Nazi war criminals, but most died of old age before their fates were finally decided. Here's Richard Marceau. He's a vice president at CJA. You know, following the Duchesne Commission that was that was put together by Brian Maroney in the 80s, uh, it was a creation of war crimes unit. Um, the Duchenne Commission came out in the, uh, I believe, in 1986. Um, there's lots of uh, scholarly work that, that came out after this. A lot of new facts came uh, to light. And I think, uh, and I not only do I think, I, I, I call on the Canadian Justice Minister to task is war, its war, his war crimes unit of justice to investigate and look into to, uh, the presence of, of Nazi war criminals in Canada. Um, we have a chance of last kick at the can. Uh, those men, mainly, uh, should not uh, live tranquil lives and quiet lives uh, in Canada when they were part of a killing machine that killed so many of so many Jews. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. To end the show, I wanted you to hear what it sounded like in the House of Commons Tuesday when Karina Gould, the Liberal House leader and a granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor from Auschwitz, had to answer questions on the whole affair from the opposition. The Prime Minister was away in Toronto attending an outside event. And so here is Conservative MP Tim Uppel of Edmonton first, and then Gould's reply. Canadians learn more about the horrors of the Holocaust but never did I imagine that in this same House of Commons, a Nazi would be invited and honoured in this place. Mr. Speaker, when will the Prime Minister stand up, take responsibility for this massive insult and apologise to Canadians? The Honourable Government House Leader. 
You know, my family walked in to Auschwitz and only my grandfather and great uncle walked out. Never in a million years would I have imagined that the Speaker of the House of Commons would invite someone who fought for the Nazis to this place and to recognize him in front of everyone and to ask us all to stand. We all placed our trust in the Speaker. It was broken. We are hurt by this. I personally am incredibly hurt by this because never in my life would I have ever done this had I known otherwise. And I assure you that no other member would have done that either. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. As always, we love your feedback and your comments. We're at ebessner at the cjn.ca. Mm-hmm.